Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode number 322. And now we know what it means by a zero room, because that's how much furniture there is in it. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I'm well, since I'm apparently the one that has to start that every week. <laughs> I'm weary. You're weir- weary? weary? Why are you Why weary? That's been a long week this week. I don't think weary means what I think it means. Weary? Weary? Well, weird doesn't mean what he thinks it means. Weary. Yeah. Weary like... to me is cautious or trepidatious or... No, it's like tired but not sleepy. Feeling or show, showing tiredness, especially as a uh, see, result I told of you excessive I exertion or lack of sleep. I told you I did not. Yeah, know as an adjective, as a verb, it's caused to become tired. Huh. Being like, weary wrong all these years. Actually, I don't think I, I think used you're weary. Thinking of I think wary. I, a wary. Now, wary. Yeah, that's different. Oh, I didn't know there was a word called weary then because I was thinking that was the same thing. Wary is with a just W A R Y. Ah, what does that and mean? That's Feeling or showing caution about possible oh, dangers or problems. See, I did not know there was a word weary, I guess. I thought weary, I thought you were saying wary. No. Oh. I'm weary. Well, look at that. <laughs> I learned a new word. And, and this coming <laughs> from the guy that makes up words. I'm kind of <laughs> I don't make up words. No, I make up oh, words. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Epiversary. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, by the way, what number is this? 322. Happy 322nd anniversary, guys. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. You're welcome. Why are you weary? Probably not lack weary. of sleep. I'm probably just tired. Oh, okay. Well, nothing specific. I think once we found the definition of weary, the answer came to us. <laughs> <laughs> he's I'm, weary I'm, because he's tired. Was, oh, wait. Was there anything specific causing yeah, you to be okay, weary? Okay, I see where you're going. I'm, 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 I am wary of how weary I am. <laughs> That's getting too many wear sounds. Weary? Um, no, it was just a, it was a full week. We had a lot. A lot going on. Oh, God, where to start? Uh, we had friends from out of town in this week. We had... Uh, my birthday was this week. Which, Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. And then we were supposed to have Katrina this week, and then Shai's been sick again. So it was just bump, 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 bump. And then my mom was in town. and Just a lot of stuff. I had Katrina, and we went to the park. And I had both girls. So I've got Katrina, who is five. And I had Cheyenne, who is 14 months. And we're at the park, and we're in the swings. And I've got Shy in the little baby swing, and I've got Katrina on the other swing. And, of course, the park that we're at, they're not together. <laughs> of course not. They're on, like, almost opposite ends of, you know, there's like a whole, here's a section of baby swings, and there's a separate swing set. So they're not part of the same, no, I've got to actually run back and forth from one to the other. And I push <laughs> Cheyenne a couple, and then I come back over here, and she's just, you know, she loves to swing. And and Katrina's in that higher papa higher stage. You know, higher papa higher! I don't do high. <laughs> I, I, I live in fear of falling off swing sets. It's just not... Yeah. So I do a lot of sound effects. I make them think they're going really high. But, you know, we'll, we'll push. I mean, you'll get a good push, but I'm not going to loop-de-loop or any of that nonsense. So we did that. Higher, Papa, higher! And I'm pushing her, and then I'll run over to Shy a little bit. And I think Katrina was purposely slowing down so that I have to come back to her and push her again. <laughs> and we did that for a good while, and then uh, Corey showed up because she had gone for a walk and was meeting us at the park. So she took Shy, and they went off and were kind of toddling around in the grass, and Shy's very unbalanced, and <laughs> it's kind of funny to drunk baby as she stumbles across this uneven ground. And Katrina goes, okay, I think I'm done. And I said, okay, and I started to step forward so I could decelerate her, you know. 
and I started to move. The swing came back, got to about <laughs> the halfway point, like right where it was at the bottom of the apex, and she let go. She just let go of the swing. So then she went and flew past me, just this Katrina-colored blur. I don't know, 70, 80, 100 miles an hour. I don't know how fast she was moving. I thought she was dead. Like, there's no way this kid is going to survive this. And all this is flashing through my head at the moment that she does this. And she, I, I turn as she flies past, and she hits the edge of the wood chips on her head. Oof. Tumbles. <laughs> winds up in the grass, completely spread eagle sprawled out. Sits up and looks at me. And the, the, the initial reaction was, from her point of view, I can't believe that just happened. That's the, the reaction that's on her face. Which instantly changed to, Bwah! you know. So I, I, I nearly killed my granddaughter. So I go running over and I'm holding her and she's screaming. Cause she's, you know, scared her to death, scared me to death. I'm still not I'm gun shy. I can't drive by parks anymore. And... Uh, you know, I'm Sweet holding her, and, and and I hear Corey from the other side of the park. Cheyenne looked up because she heard Katrina screaming, and she's trying to walk over to find out what happened <laughs> and falling down every two steps. And Katrina's sobbing, and saying, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. Let me look, let me look at your bones. Is everything you know? Is anything hanging out? Are you you're okay? You're fine. And she looks at me. and She goes, "You let me go, Papa." <laughs> I was like, "No, I didn't." I, no, I, you. What'd you let go of the swing for? You let me fall. Great, you know. So she looks like she played in a fireplace. She's got little scuff marks all over wow. her, like face and arms and everything. Just little black streaks that may have been from breaking the sound barrier. I'm not really sure. She had one boo boo, a little little tiny scab right here. Not not like road pavement not like i had a skateboarding accident just one little boop on her elbow and we got her cleaned up and i was like are you all right is everything you know you feel okay and she kept holding her arm like this i'll put your arm down let me make sure that you can bend it nothing's broken um you know are you everything okay can i go on the slide now <laughs> yeah you're fine you can go you can go on the slide so she went on the slide a couple times and then we got back in the car to go home and she goes i want mommy and I'm like, okay, do you want to maybe go and we'll get a Band-Aid at the house and you can kind of see how you feel? Okay. We got the Band-Aid and put it on her. I want mommy. I was like, all right. So I called Sam and I was like, yeah, we're coming home. <laughs> she didn't come back the rest of the weekend. Oh. So now I'm like, okay. You betrayed her trust. I did, apparently. Yeah. Worst papa ever. <laughs> so then Mel came home and was like, where are the kids? <laughs> Cheyenne's in bed and Katrina's at home. <laughs> What'd you do? Why is it automatically my fault? <laughs> I didn't do anything. She let go of the swing. Aww. So yeah, I almost killed her. <laughs> uh, you had it, a very eventful week. It won't be the first time. It won't be the oh, last no, it's, time. It's, not, it's already not the first time. <laughs> yeah, the first time she was, I don't know, she was in that... I don't even remember how old she was in that protoplasm sack stage where she just kind of hadn't have any bones yet and just kind of laid there. The potato stage. And she was on the couch with me and she kind of kept sinking down into the cushions on one side. So, you know, I did what anybody do. You grab them by the arms and you pull them up and set them on the And I went to do this and I dislocated her shoulder. It popped all the way out of the yeah, joint. She started crying. I was like, oh, I broke the baby. I remember that. <laughs> I felt so bad. I haven't felt that bad since now. 
Mm. So this weekend, I feel equally as bad as I did then. Same arm? Yeah, actually. <laughs> Stay away from that arm. Yeah. <laughs> Stay on the other side of her body. Was, yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> so that happened. We watched Passengers. How was that? I really enjoyed it. First of all, it's a beautiful movie. It's very pretty. Beautiful cinematography and great effects and, and, and well done. The story is uh, entertaining and good and there are probably a couple of physics things that wouldn't actually work the way they're portrayed in the movie but by the time those things cropped up i was invested so i didn't really care so i think that says something for it because i'm i'm the first guy to go "Eh, it wouldn't work with it i watched half of cleopatra while i was home with shy elizabeth Elizabeth Taylor taylor one which i've never seen so I said, I'm going to knock out a classic I've never seen. No, you're going to watch half of a movie. It's a long movie. It's a long movie. I mean, I'm like an hour and a half into it. I'm only at the halfway stage. It's, it's a good oh, movie, wow. but it's, it's long. It's good. Yeah. And it's, and one again, once again, anytime I watch old movies, I just marvel at the fact that they got made. Look at the number of people that are in this and the costumes and the sets. The and, scope of the, the, of the yeah. visuals in that, too. I, I'm, I'm always wowed by that, just knowing what the time period it's made, you know. It just mm-hmm. it blows me away. It's super impressive for all that. We went and saw Beauty and the Beast. So did we. What did you guys think? Uh, we enjoyed it. We enjoyed it a lot. Uh, so did we. The the animated still more dear to my heart, well, but yeah. uh, this was a good adaptation. Mm-hmm. Watching it, it embellishes a little bit at the beginning, but it's almost beat for beat, the animated film. And going through my head is that whole, you're either darned if you do or you're darned if you don't with this type <laughs> of film. Because so many people have berated past Disney live action films based on <coughs> animated works. Because they didn't stay true enough to the original work that Disney did. And some people have been upset because they stayed too true to the Disney. <laughs> so you, there, you, you've yeah. got a, a catch-22. My problem with this, originally when I started watching this, was it was almost beat for beat, the same movie. And I thought, well, now you're just doing it to say you can do it in live action. You know, If you're going to do the same movie in live action, what's the point? But as the movie moves on and, and, and embellishes and expands on our characters and it kind of grows things out and does some neat little changes, then I, I got over that immediately yeah. and was and actually quite some, grateful that there was a lot of the same stuff in it. And added some extra songs. Yeah, there's a couple, three new songs in there. Yeah. That's what Mel was doing while I was killing the granddaughter. Is, uh, she took Jesse out for her birthday uh-huh. and they went and saw Beauty and the Beast and Mel did not like it. Really? Yeah, she mm-hmm. was very frustrated. She came home all... Face stewing. Uh, like, I don't what? like the look of the beast. She hated it. It was that. okay, but I don't like. I don't. I, I mean, it was, I. Oh, I should say, I didn't hate it, but it. it that could have been better. That could. She been said better. the big thing for her was the horns were facing the wrong direction, and she wanted yeah. to pull a hellboy. Well, they're longer. And saw them off. They're longer. Yeah, they're a lot longer. But I thought the cast. But was I was phenomenal. prepared for that because I saw yeah. all yeah. the trailers, so I was actually. Yeah, yeah the casting was. Great. I didn't think I would like like the intricate designs of like. Lumiere and Cogsworth. That's what but, I really liked about but it. But they wound up looking really well, and as odd as it sounds, they weren't going to do it with the accents, so it was one thing that made it feel more French. Yeah. Because it had a very French flair to the design of the... Yeah, because all the, the accents are English. Except for Lumiere, of course. Or, yeah, British. <laughs> yeah, Lumiere does do French. He he's like the only actual Frenchman in the entire movie. Yeah. Well, and he's Ian McKellen. Yeah, so he's no, not really French. Yeah, he, yeah. 
No, you and you and McGregor. You and McGregor. Oh, Ewan McGregor yeah. is Lumiere. Yeah, Ian McKellen is, is Cogsworth. And he is yeah. wonderful as Cogsworth. Yeah. <laughs> He's really a shining. Well, spot I even thought Emma Watson was fantastic. She did really good. Emma Thompson was fantastic as Mrs. She did Potts. Great too. And yeah, Emma Watson. Emma Watson was. I loved her as Belle. That was. She was the best part of the that movie. That was in my Sarah's opinion. weak part. Really, I yeah. thought she thought now, her singing didn't quite do it. That's that's where it doesn't quite meet the the mark. But as far as the portrayal of Belle, it was stellar. Stellar portrayal, and Luke Evans as Gaston was phenomenal. Yeah. He stole every single scene he was in, and you don't see David from Legion at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, at all. <laughs> oh no, not Gaston. I'm sorry, Beast is a, that's who he plays. Yeah, that's yeah, Beast. I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought I, I heard that. And I did Beast. Yes, no. Uh, the st- scene stealer is uh, Gaston, and all the big hubbub of the Fleur. It was subtext, just like it was subtext in the first film, in the animated film. You can extrapolate that if you wanted to or not. There was like maybe one moment in the new live action one that would go, oh, okay, and that was it. Had they not come I don't, out, I had they it. come out and not, had they not come out and said, made a big deal out of it, mm. I wouldn't have noticed it at all. I disagree. I disagree. I think that it was it wasn't overt, but no. it was not subversive either. It was at the right level. I don't have a problem at all with LeFou being homosexual. Not no. one bit. I don't have a problem with that. I wasn't going to boycott the movie for it. It's well, fine. The articles and everything made it sound like it was going to be some huge big plot yeah, that, point that's in the just film. it. It's not over. Kind of like when, when they on the other hand, Sulu. It was kind of like you're just making a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. I think this one was much more organic. And maybe it's because, as Keith said, in the, in the animated film, there was almost that undertone anyway, which I don't think there was because I recently watched that and didn't feel that LeFou was anywhere. He was infatuated with Gaston. Well, yeah. Infatuated with him, but on a different level yeah. than this. That being said, again, it's not. It, it wasn't overt at all. It no, was. No, it was. It, it was very organic, and I thought it was handled perfectly. But I'm with Keith. I don't think it was. Uh, it, it's not super noticeable. And if you'd never said it, I would have. I would have noticed it. I, but it wouldn't have been an issue either way. No, yeah. it really wouldn't have. It's still on my list. It's still something I want to see. I don't know if I'll go to the theater to see it, but I didn't know and if I was going to go to the theater to see it beforehand. So. No. <laughs> That I, I could thought make was a French joke, great. but uh, you know. <laughs> that was great. I started watching Iron Fist. How was? I am three episodes in, and I'm enjoying it now. The seventeen percent they say it's not. That's what I think that, that I don't understand this problem that people on the internet have with Iron Fist. Now, it is not Jessica Jones, which I think still now is my favorite. It is not as good as even maybe Luke Cage, although. Luke Cage is on a, it's such a different style that because it took some bold choices, I think it might have been enjoyable on a different level for me. And it's not Daredevil. It's not in that same vein. But it is good. That it, the problem is, it, they. I think Netflix has set the bar very high for these ground level superheroes and iron fist comes in just underneath that bar for me and so i don't understand why everybody's throwing so much shade at this now again i'm only three episodes in so i don't know where they've gone with it luke cage was one of those ones that about halfway through i started seeing glaring errors that i had or problems that i had with it but it still was enjoyable so i may see some of those issues later down the line but right now i'm i'm having fun with it a lot of people are equating the storyline with something else that's already been done before uh, and I'm not familiar with the material, so that didn't bring it down into any level for me. Do you remember either. what they were saying? I can't remember what it was now. Uh, they, I think it's some UK series oh. where it was the same thing. It was a, a young man who lost his fortune because they thought he was dead. And he came back in, tried, 
That sounds like Arrow. Was it? Yeah, it was <laughs> trying to, yeah, sort of, but trying to infiltrate the company. But he wasn't infiltrating the company. He was really just trying to get you know his name and identity back. And that's what that's where they're going mm-hmm. with Iron Fist. And I haven't spoiled anything for you guys because that's right off the top of the episode. <laughs> now, the only thing I'll agree with them is who appears to be the maybe the antagonist of this. It does seem a little one dimensional, but um, mm. or two dimensional maybe even. But I'm enjoying it so far. Did you guys do anything else this week? I went to Manhattan. Went to oh, Little yeah. Apple Comic Con. So did we. Did you? We went to Little, uh, little, what time did you little go? Apple Comic Expo. Yeah, Lace. Comic Expo. Lace. Yeah. Wow, you must have been there just before. You know, maybe you were leaving when we le- when we got there because we, we got there to like 12.30, maybe 1 o'clock. We, got we there must have just we, missed We probably you. left around like 12.50. Oh, okay. So we were there for about an hour. Yeah, I think we were there for about an hour, maybe 45 minutes. Yeah. How was it? It was good. I mean, it's a, it's a little... You could talk. You, yeah. I've been talking your ears off, so it, you can tell a lot about it. It's very comparable to TopCon. They had some very unique booths, though, from that normally I don't see at these conventions. But it's also a lot of familiar faces of people dressed up in cosplay, and it's got a lot of potential. It seemed to be laid out really well. This is their second year, right? Yeah, and there was a lot of people there. I think it helps that it's only one day, yeah. but yeah, it was enjoyable. I kind of wish there was a screen celebrity that would draw me there more than just a, oh, hey, we got some time, let's go check it out. Yeah, if next year's is the same as this year's, I probably feel no need to go next year yeah. because now I've been there. And the other thing that I think that, that it sort of falls down on is when you go, I usually go for the vendors, and this really felt like all of the same vendors. It's a lot of the same. There, that have there were some new ones point. that were unique, which was nice to see, like the... Uh, Terrarium ones, you see? Yeah, those were cool. They they took like these pokeballs. We almost bought one, but they were a little steep. <laughs> yeah, they took these pokeballs, turned one half of it in, uh, clear, and did little terrariums inside them. So like they did Pokemon ones, which I didn't really look at, and then they had like most of theirs were Pokemon. Yeah, but the, there most were of them. Were, but they had like Disney ones. a weeping angel, like uh, the keychain Glenn gave us. In there with some moss and stuff, or they had Chewbacca with some trees, or Yoda with some trees. It was really neat. You had to get a little thing to sit it on too. But then there was also the you had to buy the little thing to sit it on separate. Know. Oh, okay. I was going to say I don't know if it came with because the the one was already thirty bucks. The small one that we were looked at the, to get the, there was a really Charmander. No, uh, yeah, I think it was tiny. There was one with a Charmander in it that, that Mason really wanted, and I was it's a little <laughs> expensive. But um, he ended up getting two pieces of art, so. And the other booth I thought was pretty cool was one that they lacquered a bunch of uh, comic book covers or pages. Yeah. I kind of looked at that and toyed with some ideas on That was my thing is I thought, you know, this is cool, but I can do the same thing. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I did get some ideas. But for Manhattan, I'm glad that they had something like that. Next year, it's going to depend a little bit. We we planned on going to see Beating the Beats in the IMAX. Just because I want to check out Manhattan's yeah, IMAX. No idea they had an IMAX until, yeah, they, I, drove, until I drove off the highway there and it's plastered <laughs> yeah, on the side they, of the they, uh, they have an IMAX now. So they I have an IMAX? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a car Town Center. Oh, we suck so much. So I want to check <laughs> Isn't it out. Isn't sad that Manhattan, Kansas has an IMAX and we don't? So next year, if there's if there's a movie that we want to see and I want to kind of, ch- if I haven't checked that out in IMAX, we'll go back and then go maybe see a movie. We just didn't happen today, this Probably weekend. Yeah. One. And I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't see Eric, but I did see Red Dalek in the TARDIS outside. Briefly. Sounds like he had a lot of car troubles, unfortunately. Yeah, on his way home, apparently. And on his way there. Oh, he had trouble on the way there, too? He, oh, he parked in the fire lane and unloaded and then went back and it wouldn't start. Oh, no. So that was the start of his problem. It sounded like it was a battery problem. I think so. He got a battery replaced and said he got home. Okay, so. I didn't see that part, you know. 
Huh. I saw his post on Facebook like two hours after he posted it. I would have been like, I'll come help you or something because he was really close to town. Oh, is that right? Yeah, he was like on the other side of Topeka. Yeah. I think that's it. I started my vacation on Friday. We had uh, work has been nuts because we've got one of our sports uh, reporters is at uh, with Kansas City and Tulsa for the NCAA tournament. One of them was in Sacramento for K State and the NWC, and then our sister station down in Wichita was also doing uh, live shots because they're traveling with uh, Wichita State, and so it's been a madhouse all week trying to get all the content. Mm. And of course, when you don't have a sports department there you have to fill that time too so it's been major crazy and i've been looking forward to my vacation i'm awful next week <laughs> <laughs> i've been so glad i'm not in news now that it's march madness <laughs> well the, the sad thing is now two of those teams are out so now oh. we only have to be dealing with K, ku next week oh, and i don't right. know if, if k1 ku won their game last night i think they beat k Iowa did win right. tonight so. so a trailer came out for doctor who series 10 oh the doctor who trailer yeah not the Despicable Me three. I was excited about the Despicable I was actually just... <laughs> the newest one where he meets his brother? Yeah. The first one was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, this we're, oh, we're doing one. that again, okay. Yeah, and then this, this one came out and I went, I'm so ready for a new one of these. <laughs> what did you guys think of the Series 10 trailer? That was pretty good. It's yeah. a good trailer. Gets me excited. Mondasian Cyberman, front and center there. So Yeah, for a hot second. The very different looking Ice Warrior. Yes. <laughs> I forgot about that. It's like an yeah. Ice Warrior Queen of some sort. Yeah. We'll see where they go with that. But. Which, if that's the case, I am. I mean, I was excited about Ice Warriors. <laughs> I just, okay, cool. Ice, just, I like it when they bring back something different. I mean, I we even said, I'm tired of the Daleks. I'm kind of tired of Cybermen. Give me something a little different that you can chew on. And when you look at New Who, and our RTD started this, where, okay, the big bad of season one was the Daleks, the big bad of season two was the Daleks and the Cybermen, the big bad of three was the Master, the big bad of four was Davros. we kind of gotten into that bump, 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 bump. And we've brought everybody back. I mean, so many of them. We brought back the Silurians, we brought back the Suntarans. The Daleks and the Cybermen <coughs> kind of continue, and the Master continue to be the big bad. You can only do that so many times before they've exhausted themselves. And, you know, the fatigue sets in. And I kind of want some new villains. Now, we, we've got some great new villains. We've had the Silence, but they kind of petered out. We had the Weeping Angels, but they were so effective. It's diminishing returns now with every one of their stories that comes back on. So, you know, you either have to really go and dig to find somebody surprising to pull out of mothballs and go, the Zygons are back. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Or the Ice Warriors, and it's like, yeah. Or do, me, do a new villain. But if it's a Ice Warrior Queen, if that's an actual thing... And I don't know that it is. It's just, like you said... The it looks of, like a female ice it, look, it looks like a female ice warrior. The potential of that suddenly gets me even more excited than just having the ice warriors back. Yeah. Because the ice warriors in all of their appearances to date have pretty much been the same kind of ice warrior appearance. It's always an ice lord, and he's always angry, and you know, <laughs> gloom and doom. But a queen could bring in a new dynamic. Yeah, it really so. could. The trailer makes it feel like Moffat is kind of throwing everything in that he can. Even down to the classic Sonic that he throws to Nardle. Did you guys catch that one? Mm-hmm. No, because Nardle was in it. <laughs> and the more Nardle was in it, the more I realized I am not excited to have Nardle in it. Oh, the classic Sonic! Okay, sure, yeah. 
Maybe Matt Lucas will win me over. I hope so. I hope so, too. So I, like I to have, have reservations about him, too. I like to have my rose-colored glasses on. Maybe, maybe not. Glenn, you want to comment at no, all? I, you know, you're just... The trailer was exciting. It, feels, uh, it still feels a little stuffed with fan service for me, but I'm... Holding, I'm reserving judgment, and I like Nardle, so I'm excited to see him. But like a classic more Sonic, more and more and more and more. Yeah. Classic cool. Sonic, sorry. Well, I, fan I, service for you. Well, I see. I saw that. <laughs> well, I saw that, and I kind of thought that was another. And maybe it's because we we see a Dalek, we see the Mondasian Cyberman, and we see the Ice Warrioress, we see the, you know, we see all of that. It was already feeling very fan service. So I saw the uh, classic screwdriver, and I thought, okay, again, it's very surface level for me that I'm like, eh, I'll just. See what happens, you know. Yeah. Could be a great year. Could be a stinker year. I don't know. As we've learned from Suicide Squad, we can't trust anything by yeah, a trailer. That's true. Nope. <laughs> I still keep seeing the Wonder Woman trailer and thinking, wow, that looks so good. Especially the new one. BBC Worldwide and Fathom Events have put out more details about the new series premiere, the pilots. That's going to be in theaters. And just to clarify. In class. And, yeah, part of, the, part of those details are <laughs> the first episode of Class, also. And there's a special featurette called Becoming the Companion, which fans will travel with new companion Pearl Mackie to the London stage through the doors of the TARDIS as she kind of learns her place in the role. Because she comes primarily from stage, right? I believe so. If you purchase your tickets through Adam Tickets, you get three free digital Doctor Who comics from Titan Comics. Woohoo. And those tickets are sixteen thirty-eight pounds, dollars. <laughs> dollars. This is U.S. theaters. U.S. theaters. Okay. Which I'm kind of glad they added class, the first episode of class. Even though I've seen it, it makes the money to go see a Fathom event. At least I'm not just getting an hour of programming and fifteen minutes extra. Let me put my dad hat on. <laughs> I'm going to take my my oh. old child to see Doctor Who. Yeah, that's, a family that's a good point. geared family-oriented show that I have no problem showing to my eight-year-old child, and now I'm going to have to leave because I don't want him watching the first episode of a decidedly young adult and maybe even very old young adult-themed episode of a show that he has no business watching. That's a good point. I think that was a stupid, stupid, stupid move on BBC's part, BBC America, whoever's I agree. In charge of this. I, I agree that I like idea. the idea of giving me additional content. Yes. I 100% disagree that class was the content to well, pair no, up with. I don't, class might not have been the right and if content, Doctor but Who, extending it out to at least two hours If to Doctor make it Who was a money. different kind of show, geared towards a different kind of audience, I have no problem with it being class because I didn't have a problem with it, and I'm with Sean. I appreciate giving me more content. Shame on you for putting it attached to... A family program that kids are going to come see in the theater. That was a bad move. Yep. I hadn't thought of that aspect of it. Well, you don't have kids yet. Yet. <laughs> well, you have one. It's just not out here yet. <laughs> and I have a four-legged one. Who doesn't care? Right. Well, you know. <laughs> Look at all the things you have to worry about now. <laughs> yeah. So I can't take my eight-year-old to see Doctor Who in the theater, so they've lost a ticket that way, too. I wonder if they've monitored somehow kind of the general age group of people going to the theaters to see it anyways. And that's why they decided. Because it was already an older crowd. I think somebody sitting in some executive office at BBC America said, you know what, we need, this is not doing well in the UK. We need (laughs) need some way to generate some uh, eyes on this to get people excited to watch it on BBC America. And they didn't think anything beyond the money figures of it. So. Mm. 
That's just my opinion. Which is unfortunate. I mean, I don't want to... I'm with you. I don't want to come down on class. Because I enjoyed the pilot when we watched it. But I love Torchwood. And I would not pair up an episode of Torchwood with Doctor Who to go show in the theater. I don't care if Captain Jackson, both of them or not. I mean, it's just... It's, no, not so much. Not today. <laughs> Let's move on to feedback. Our feedback this week comes from Ben. Ben writes, I'm droning on again. Hey, guys. Ben got a drone? I apparently. Oh. Let's find out. <laughs> Sweet. This could be interesting. Sorry I've missed the last few weeks of the feedback. In the meantime, I've finished book four of A Song of Ice and Fire, A Freeze Four Crows. Also, I've read City of Death. I was going to read something else next, but no, you guys just had to mess with my schedule. After listening to the show yesterday, I agree with your assessments of it. City of Death has never been a favorite story of mine. I like it well enough, just not wowed by it really. Having said that, this book definitely moved it up a little for me, as it filled out the story fairly well. Also on yesterday's show, you brought up Pirate Planet, also written by James Goss. I was a little apprehensive about this one, as I wasn't overly wowed by Goss's treatment of City of Death, despite the fact that it was good. I need not have worried. The Pirate Planet was awesome. It's always been a favorite of mine as the television series stands. The book added to it nicely. There are also some really nice bonus material at the end. I won't say much more as I know you're set to read it upon the U.S. release. Moving on, Peter Davison's autobiography was next on my plates. I really enjoyed this one until the end. Peter had written a what I like, what I don't like list about convention goers. On the what I don't like list was anyone wearing a fourth doctor scarf. Now, not only do I own one, but I've worn it out and two conventions as well. I get that Tom Baker had a rep for being a bit prickly back in the day, but Peter hates those of us who are fans of his, Tom's, portrayal of the Doctor. He kind of lost me there. Despite that, I really enjoyed the book. This is me, not him. I wonder if that part of the lust was supposed to be a little tongue-in-cheek there, Ben. Having not read it in context, I don't know. I wonder if it's not just so much the... I mean, if he's, if he's just being bluntly honest, he's not saying so much that, oh, I hate these people. But there has to be a little bit of, oh, well, you're dressed as that guy, even though I'm at this convention. You're not you know dressed what I mean? as me, you're dressed as a different doctor. Right. And I imagine Colin probably... Because <laughs> <laughs> there's not as many people who dress as Colin. Very, you really don't see a lot of Six Doctor cosplay, period. And so he's probably just hadn't got used to it that... I'm not going to see my character today. Yeah. I'll see maybe two or three of them at a big con, but that's about it. So maybe that's where he was coming from it with. Because it's so easy to go get a fourth Doctor scarf. Well, they just, sell it now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it, it, in a way, it does seem almost a little disingenuine, but yeah. maybe not. Maybe he's got a real beef with them. I don't know. Hard I haven't time. read it. Well, I think all of those guys beyond Tom Baker have been living in the shadow of Tom Baker because he did it for so long. He is one of the most popular doctors in classic Doctor Who. You see it everywhere. Probably does overshadow the amount of work you put into a story when that's the thing that people identify as Doctor Who. So that probably can get under your skin a little bit too. I could see that. He continues, A quick palate cleanser was needed after Peter's book, so I'm currently reading the Target book, Pyramids of Mars. That will be followed quickly by Mary Tam's autobiography, First Generation. Moving away from books, we saw Logan the weekend that came out. Wow, what a spectacular movie. This weekend may see my brother-in-law and I at the drive-in theater, which is set to open finally for the season. They're showing Beauty and the Beast, which I was surprised that the brother-in-law wanted to see, followed by Rogue One. Of course, we've both seen Rogue, but at the drive-in? Nothing beats an experience that experience for me. The price is great as well. It's about $9 per person for the double feature. 
Lastly, by this time the feedback airs, Tom will have arrived at Hushan for his visit. I can't wait to hear what his thoughts are. Of course, Glenn and Keith, you guys are welcome to read it as well. I'd love to have a segment on the show devoted to a review by you guys. Anyhow, that's it for now. Take care. Ben. Ben, I can confirm that it has indeed arrived. For those not in the know, Ben was kind enough to mail us his copy of Who on Earth is Tom Baker? Autobiography, and we will be reading it amongst ourselves and then tackling it in a review form at some point in time. I don't know. Obviously, we're pretty booked up through, well, Series 10. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we will get it on Summer, there. anyway. Maybe come fall. <laughs> <laughs> Next year, I don't know. <laughs> we'll read it and get it back to you, man. Thank you very much for the yeah, loan. thanks for sending it to us. That's Se- second viewing of uh, Star Wars for me was in the drive-in theater. Ooh. My first viewing was at the drive-in. <laughs> Speaking of 1977, <laughs> transistor radios. I had one. Loved it. He used to break dance with it. No. <laughs> 1977, no. It was AM radio only no fm radio on that transistor <laughs> the am radio <laughs> oh That's... that song throws me back so much every time i hear that song i think oh i lived this sorry go on <laughs> that's it for feedback you of course can send us feedback by going to our website travelingthevortex.com and click on the send us feedback tab why would i send us feedback you should i should why don't you yeah I, well I don't know. Now that you mention it, I've got quite a lot to say about this podcast. Maybe I should send some feedback. We did include you in feedback one time when you were on vacation. (laughs) I think it's just terrible the way you guys treat Sean on that show. And Glenn, you're so mean to Keith. And you don't really talk enough Doctor Who. So what are we reviewing this week? Let's start with Circular Time. More specifically, Spring. We're not going to talk about summer, autumn, and winter? Oh, we're going to start with spring. Oh, we're starting with spring. Do we need to set up Circular Uh, Time? So, Circular Time is uh, the very first, I guess, anthology piece that Big Finish did. So, it's four individual stories. And boy, howdy, was I surprised at the beginning of episode (laughs) two not knowing this. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) I had to go look it up to make sure my (laughs) file wasn't weird or something. Uh, I actually, listening to it, I expected, I I I knew this existed, but I didn't know that this was the one. So this was one of those ones after the first one ended and sounded like it definitively ended. I thought, oh, is this that one? So when the second one came and it started with a completely different story... It occurred to me that I was like, oh, okay, this is that anthology one. Yeah, no, I was like, how'd you get away from the bird people? What happened? What? Well, hold on, You're just going to let him get away? I, oh. Let's talk about spring. Let's talk about spring. In the springtime in the distant future, the Doctor and Nissa become embroiled in a Time Lord politics on an alien world. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah. That's all you can say about this one. No, it's not all you can say about this one. But on a base level, that's what this one was. was it was fun. Because there's not a lot of layers on this. It's it's a very it's straightforward straight story of what's going on. They try to build in this uh, inherent mystery of what's happening here and what this uh, renegade Time Lord is doing here. Why is he in charge of this society? Why have they put him in charge of this society? Why is he you know, judge, jury, yeah. and executioner? And you continue to go down this road of... The doctor in this conundrum of what to do. It's almost that, do you interfere with the prime directive or do you let it play out and hope for the best? It's really intriguing from the standpoint of, for the entire story, I sat there thinking, what can the doctor do here? I mean, can he, is he going to break with tradition? 
or is he going to say this is one of those things that is set and has to be has to happen this way this is how the society operates mm -hmm. and to do that little twist at the end making you think that the, <laughs> this this time lord is ultimately a bad guy and he's not all his ploy now it does further his own agenda because I get the impression he wanted to become the hybrid species that he is. But on the flip side, he does it in a way that he turns their society around completely and does it in a very plausible way to make it so they're not punishing others for the sins of their fathers. And so I like the way they've turned that. I kind of liked exploring this civilization, that the unique approach to punishment, at least unique to me, and the fact that they they didn't just make them anthropomorphized birds. They actually kind of addressed the elephant in the room of that fact that they're evolved. actually evolved from yeah. avians and they're a bird kind and lost the power of flight and are looking to try to regain that. I thought all of that was very fascinating. I thought the ending was kind of... The, the twist of the end was neat, but not knowing we weren't continuing with this story, I felt like, oh, uh, there's still more to be done there. It wasn't as resolved as I would have liked it to have been by the end of it so when we did start episode two and it was completely different i was really thrown thinking well i guess they did get away but i don't feel like that story resolved itself i agree i was having such a good time with that story because it was different even being just a straightforward thing but we've got these bird people and we've got this very interesting society well, that was set that up straightforward where would they go from there i really wanted more of that i enjoyed it i mean i don't want to go me wrong but wow i was like oh <laughs> okay no more bird people. It does put up an interesting... Something I've always kind of wondered is the Doctor's off days. Oh, yeah. Because we always see him win. We always see him defeat the monster and save the people and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And well, I kind of wonder what happens on... Does he always get a win? Or does he, <laughs> does he have those days where he shows up to work and it's like, oh... <laughs> <laughs> You done screwed this up six ways from Sunday, Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> you just, you know, I wonder what those days are like. And so this all of a sudden kind of went, oh, that's what these days are like. <laughs> oh, and those really quick adventures that I'm sure he has in between the big adventures of the t television. One thing that I didn't capture, I kept trying to retcon it or fix it so that he was referring to his exile as when he regenerates from the second doctor into the third doctor. He talks about this exile, being exiled from his people, and uh, Nisa tries to question him about it, and it's kind of pushed under the rug. But there's something in the dialogue that makes it sound like he was exiled before his first regeneration, and it that he did. really didn't run, that he was exiled, and that he didn't run away, which I think doesn't quite work with no. the continuity now established, especially in the new series, mm. cemented in the new series. Yeah. And I wasn't sure what to think of that or just allow that to be a throwaway line. I think it was, was it when I heard that, he, in my mind, the Doctor was obviously referring to the Trout and Pertwee exile. But because he didn't specify it, and they're just like, your exile, and because Nyssa only knows part of the story, and she's like, I thought you ran away, I didn't think you were exiled from your home planet, and he just doesn't correct her. Now, it could be that maybe they were going to set something up for an exploration down the road to kind of go, well, well you know, it's funny you mentioned that. You because, think it yes, would be actually, a, but Because it, it could have easily just been a quick line to throw in, well, that was later in my life. Yeah. That would have fixed it for I me. I did initially now, run away. From the perspective of this was released in 2007, the new series had only been out two years, and they had not cemented the fact that there were only X amount of regenerations. We do know that... Brain of Morbius has at one point 
sort of put out there the fact, and, and that's been retcon since, but has sort of put out there the fact that there were previous regenerations to the first, yeah, regenerations to the first Doctor as well. And it made me wonder is because of when this was put out, they were still going on the assumption that Brain of Morbius does offer the the possibility of previous regenerations because i think when brain of morbius was made i think that was the purpose i think it was purposefully put in there to say this isn't the fourth doctor this is a number of in a line of doctors i think that was i think that was purposefully done that way we have since retconned and fixed it i think within continuity but it makes me wonder as if when this came out they were doing that that's that's what i presumed that they were saying you know, we're going to go with that that Brain of Morbius theory that there were previous reincarnations because I can't remember exactly how it's said because what you're saying makes sense, but there's something that's said prior to that by Zero that makes it sound like you didn't run away. It was an exile after his first regeneration, making the first Doctor actually the second Doctor. So there's something in that subtext that they're talking about because I, I wanted to make it fit as you are with that second Doctor into third Doctor regeneration. And, and it, it, that still, headcanon-wise, is where I'm going to go with it, what you just said. But there's something else that was said by Zero that still made it sound like he was referring specifically to his leaving Gallifrey the first time. Morbius may have been attempting to inject additional lives into the video screen fight between uh, Morbius and the Doctor. I very easily can go, no, those are Morbius's lives, well, not when, the Doctor's that's lives. What that's, that's what, that's what that, fandom that's just, has come oh, yeah. up with, yeah. which just, I'm it, fine with that. It just makes sense to me to do it that way. Following that up with Deadly Assassin and putting this 12 stamp on Regenerations, they still would have had to have played ball with that idea. But that doesn't that doesn't change the Morbius. The Morbius thing isn't changed until mid new series, where it's established where he's at in his regenerations. And does, the first time the, we see that the is prologue of the movie mentioned the number two. Yeah, I think it does. When he's talking, it might and at that point. So, more importantly, is the five doctors when Herndl meets Davidson and says regeneration fourth oh so there are five of me now oh, he does say that yeah that, that <laughs> right there that crystal yeah, clears you're right, everything that from that point forward yeah backward right. that, is it, okay right. that that argument's done now maybe that only came about because they thought oh wow people are confused by this well, i but. don't think they did i don't think that that was the reason for that that was probably in my opinion that's purely accidental yeah probably uh, but what it did well, is it, it was cemented, probably more to yeah. cement him as the first doctor yeah. to those who yeah. are right. familiar with william Hartnell. most certainly but yeah, I don't I, think they overthought things like that back then. Now no. we overanalyze <laughs> yeah. it and overthink it. And that's why specific numbers are put on, especially by Moffat, once we get to the move the goalpost <laughs> era of, okay, well, we've already established this, or established this now. We need to fix that so yeah. that we can have... Anyway, we can speed up <laughs> the process. I think it was just Nissa going, this is a new piece of information for her, finding out the doctor's a criminal. What? <laughs> <laughs> Because okay, she's works. never viewed him that way. Yeah. That works for me. But it was a good story, and it was yeah, a lot was of fun. Really enjoyable. And uh, I, I wish there had been more of it, because I want more about the bird people. So apparently I want it was more about based, Zero. <laughs> based on a short story by Paul Cornell. Yeah. Like, yeah. So maybe there's more to the story there. Keith, Imdaba. Tardis Wikia. Tardis Wikia. <laughs> we'll have to look that up and find out. Shall we move on to Summer? Summer! During the stifling heat of a summer past, the Doctor and Nessa suffer the vengeful wrath of Isaac Newton. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Once I got over the initial, what the hell is going on? 
where are the bird people? <gasps> David Warner. So uh, automatically yeah. it was awesome. I immediately just, heard David Warner. Him as Isaac Newton was fantastic. It just automatically skyrocketed up there. But then I kept hearing, and they kept referring to him as, you know, Newton or Isaac. I don't remember which one they were. And I had to stop again and go back since I had just looked it up and pulled it back up. Oh, he's that Isaac Newton. Okay. Just to make sure that I was in the right <laughs> time frame, really. Because uh, I didn't know that Isaac was a, a, a bit of a religious zealot. I didn't know that either. I did not know that. And uh, I've done a lot of research on Isaac since I listened to this story. I went, <laughs> wow, this is really fascinating. So they took somebody... A lot of people were, though, back then. Well, yeah. yeah that's I, true. I imagine you had to be in, in some regards. But th- they took this historical figure that you know everybody knows... And blemish the story with, yeah, knock me on the head. (laughs) (laughs) But then gave you this other bit of story. Made him probably even more brighter than he really was. Right. The fact Um, that he was able to extrapolate just from this set of coins. Oh, that was time travelers. That was brilliant how that scene came out. was so fantastic. Oh, yeah. And every time that they, it it seemed like they were going to go down a path to explain something. He would veer off and say, okay, but that doesn't answer this. And he would veer off again and say, that doesn't answer that. And I was, yeah, that was really cool. And this is continued astoundation of, wow, you're getting all of this? Really? (laughs) And getting it right? Since you've done more research on Isaac Newton, I haven't. Was he prone to fits because of his genius? I know there's a lot of people in history that had conditions. And the reason that they've kind of come to the conclusion that a lot of these men had certain ailments or conditions or things like that is because their brains were above capacity to process sometimes the information that they were coming up with. In fact, I think that was one of the reasons why Albert Einstein napped all the time. It was the only way that he could slow his brain down. There are other instances, and I didn't know if this was... It Was he prone to fits? He was prone to fits, yeah. Um, I didn't get too far into that, but that was that's a, that's a true fact. But um, that, that was a nice little touch to illustrate the fact that because he was thinking this through so much, he was putting so much brain power and effort into this that it just it overwhelmed him, and I thought that was kind of neat. Well, and in a backward-looking process of this, it had a bit of Vincent and the Doctor aspect to it, and of that... That's another. I, one. I thought of that when he, they talked about yeah. that. It was oh, like, another one. oh yeah, just another person just like him. Who, Julius Caesar had it too. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, why they called them Caesars. <laughs> oh wait, Caesars. The uh... <laughs> spelled wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm of course kidding. I did not mean that. <laughs> we can claim that. Somebody's going to come back and go. Well, he really thinks that's where Caesars come from. He didn't know what where he was. <laughs> The guard is probably my favorite character in the just you know, back and forth, back and forth, blah, 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 grumble, grumble, grumble through the whole thing. But better make sure it's not poison. Your wife made it. Pistol, better make sure. <laughs> That's the beauty of it is she's brought him dinner. This guy's finally going to eat. He's probably worked a 12-hour shift. He's tired. He's he's exhausted, but he's doing it all in service of the Lord. Not, not the Lord, like God, but, you know, Sir Isaac. Yeah. And he's loyal to Isaac. He you you can tell that he would do anything that this man wants. And his wife brings him a meal and he's getting ready to eat it and suddenly these strange people show up and he's thrown into the thrust of, of being basically their guard and their guardian and making sure feed that them. and so he has to feed them. The only thing he's got is this food. So you feel bad for the guy. It's like, oh now he has to give away the food that he was gonna eat from his wife. And so to have him do that little turn of well I better try it first to make sure it's not but your wife made that. <laughs> I was like, 
this poor guy, this poor guard, let me eat. <laughs> really wants to eat, is still going to just be, he, because he's loyal, he's going along with it, but he's devised maybe a slight plan to go and eat the dinner anyway himself. And then there's this other guard that's throwing a monkey wrench in it when he's saying, but your wife made that. <laughs> I just thought that was brilliant. I, I liked this yeah, one was, a lot. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of really good. Really well written. Yeah. The dialogue is written so well, especially from Newton's point of view, from his perspective, from his delivery. It was so well done. And, and I, I think it would have been hard to find anybody better than David Warner oh, to play yeah, absolutely. that character. And then it also had some great humor with the doctor trying to do magic to get out. <laughs> <laughs> Which he can pull over on the guards, but then when it comes to Newton... Oh, yeah. Nope. <laughs> no, he's too smart for that. <laughs> Although Newton still continues to call him an alchemist. So he's at least on that level believes that alchemy could be possible... But yeah. he realized that these are parlor, parlor tricks that are that are being performed on him. So. I really like this one. Yeah, yeah, it was they good. They're not a bad one in this bunch, but I'll, I'll, let's go on. <laughs> autumn. In the recent past, Nissa spends a romantic golden autumn in an English village while the doctor plays cricket. This one is still enjoyable. My least favorite. But it's my least favorite. Yep. yep. <laughs> I did not like Andrew at first. Nope. He was huge jerk. Yep. And then he kind of grew on me a little bit, but not enough. That made me say, oh, I wish Nissa would have stayed <laughs> It's one of those type of stories where I think you're meant to not like the character first, but I think you're eventually meant to warm up more so than you did uh, <laughs> to the character because I actually really liked the guy. And at the end, I sort of kept looking for the turn of, well, I haven't created the villain for my piece yet. I haven't created the villain for my piece yet because this is off writing this story, <laughs> which everybody's calling it a fantasy or a, you <laughs> it's know, not a it's fantasy. not a fantasy. So she's writing this story, which I thought was a cool parallel. This is this shows the downtime. This shows the time of, of yeah. rest. This shows a different thing that we're used to in the exploits and the adventures of the Doctor. And the Doctor's playing cricket. He comes back and plays every season. Not every season, but he's come back for Apparently several Apparently a seasons. whole season. Yeah, well, he's, yeah. he's come back. This isn't his first season to play either. He's been back prior, too, as well. Although the club is somewhat changed now. And I think that I like how he goes from a area of comfort, uh, a level of normalcy, to what he is used to is changing. And Inissa comes from a time of, of where her life is a bit unknown and chaotic to evolving into a normalcy. So kind of the, 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 the diverting paths that mm-hmm. are going different directions, I thought was really, really clever. And, but I keep waiting for the shoe to drop on who the villain of this story that she's writing is going to have to be. And especially when she tells Andrew, you have given me the villain for my piece. I kind of wondered if he's the villain of the piece. And I still even got to that point because I wasn't expecting it as the literal villain. I thought it was still going to be metaphoric. Right. But they turn that a little bit and you leave you with, it could be the Doctor who's the metaphoric villain in this situation as well. And I liked how they played that out, but left it a little bit more ambiguous. See, yeah. see I, I walked away from it thinking that just time in general was the... Well, I think that's true, but I think what I'm saying is because of both circumstances... Yeah, yeah you're right. Time is the <laughs> metaphor, but... Uh, both circumstances. You don't villain. know which one is the the one that tips the scale of time being the villain. I yeah. suppose is what I'm trying to say. Okay, I can see that. I think my only complaint with Andrew is I was really wanting something a little more epic romance. Because I, I, I kind of liked the idea of Nyssa having a, a, a fling that, that she would get taught up. And of all of the characters, it wouldn't be Nyssa Mm-mm. that would have a, an autumn romance. And I kind of wanted him to be a draw. I wanted him to be a magnet. I wanted him to be a, a powerful that might presence. Something keep her to stay. Instead. Yeah, I mean, somewhere in time. I wanted a big 
so that when we got to that inevitable end that she was going to leave with the doctor, that there was a little more heartstring pulling. And not just that she was going to leave, but that she was going to sneak away like a thief in the night and not say goodbye to him. And it was just going to be the book. I kind of was like, yeah, that's how that would, that's how that one was going to pan out. And we didn't quite get there because Andrew was, I think he was a little bit of a jerk. He was a little too forward and uh, forceful at the beginning for my taste. But Rude. I sort of liked it. A good number of men feel that that's attractive to women. And I think that was so in character. And maybe that's why I, I didn't like him. I didn't, I thought he was rude too. I, I felt <laughs> yeah. the exact same things you do, but I was, I was very accepting of it because because that seems very atypical well, of that type of person when they're trying to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We just know it's the past sometime. But, but that, that seems to be an alpha male ideal of attracting women, and I've never understood it, but I recognize it and see it quite often in literature, too. Mm-hmm. So, Well, and even other media as well. And maybe it was meant to be I think they had to set it. And... I think they had to set at one point so that they could soften him enough, though, to make yeah. the, the character work. So. Yeah. It's kind of nice that it's just a pure historical nothing really fanciful happens it's just a kind of a straightforward love story between her him and nissa and then the doctor playing cricket was, well, like he said it was historical but we don't know what time it was set yeah. so it could have been contemporary well, they, they mentioned <laughs> recent past somewhere in there yeah but it could have been contemporary so i mean recent past i mean <laughs> yeah. it could be contemporary. it felt historical you think so yeah it almost had a black orchid feel to it I don't know if I go quite that not, far not back. Not far back, but that type of story. Yeah. It felt. See, I could have seen this easily set in the 1980s. That's not really historical, but 1920s, that's not really even historical either. Maybe this is my rose-colored glasses coming out. On the doctor's side of things, where he's encountering the prejudice, just kind of snide comments from teammates, that to me seems to make it dated. I have no basis for that, because obviously... <laughs> This is 2017, and we have huge amounts of, yeah. of racism and elitism and everything else-isms going on right now. Maybe my rose-colored glasses just likes to think that we have set that back in the past and that we're beyond that, but obviously we're not. But even if it's not in the past, the fact that it is just a standard contemporary story without any aliens aside from the, the Doctor and Nessa. No, I knew what you I, were which, which implying. I, yeah. I knew what you were implying. I just thought it was funny. You, you placed it historically. Yeah. To me, this could have been yesterday. Although you're right, it does say recent past. But. It, just, it just feels old. It feels yeah. on Golden Pond, small town, a little slower. That's not... On Golden Pond is set in the 19... 19- 70s, 60s, 70s. I mean, come on. That's not historical either. Glenn, I hate to break this to you, but the 70s were 40 years ago. (laughs) Maybe it's the the closer you're born related to history, maybe it doesn't feel feel as historical. Because (laughs) when you've been here so long, yeah, that was many years ago. Take it from somebody who had a birthday this week. (laughs) From the 70s. Well, I got one coming up, and I'm a year older than you. Forty-four trips around the sun. It's a historical. <laughs> I think, well, it, we I, 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 as far as labeling historical, to me, it has to be at the very least a hundred years or older in order to be a historical. That's a prehistorical. Yeah, no lie. <laughs> Winter. Many years after their travels together have ended, the two friends meet again in the strangest of circumstances. Bum bum bum. I really like this one. I did too. I, did too. I thought it was really cool to explore what the doctor was going through while fighting off the Spectrox poisoning and kind of regeneration. And you, you even get to hear a little bit of him, of why he's seeing the companions float in front of him as he's regenerating. It, it really I hadn't helps. thought of that, but yeah. That... It helps put all of that regeneration into context and it helps forward put in the context and 
the regeneration into six of partially why he's the way he is. And it brings up the thing about this story that angered me the most and just made me so angry at Sean once again <laughs> because of his incessant placing of where we have to watch the Trocken stories. Oh, yes. Or the New Beginning stories. I guess we can bring that up here because the there's Watcher so much Trocken stuff in this. And The Watcher, which I think is instrumental in, I'm going to say it right now, even though you haven't seen it, it's instrumental in Tom's regeneration. I know he's there. And they, it, it so heavily delves into that and actually kind of gives a little more credence to what we get from uh, Legopolis that it works on a much better level for me in retrospect of looking back on The Watcher within that particular story. I would agree with but that. But again, we have done <laughs> Keith me. a disservice by this... I'm going to say it now. Idiotic reason why we haven't put these these stories on the on the list. I mean, we but need to get them on there. We so just I'm keep doing getting, it. I'm spo- getting all sorts. He's of going to know. He's going to know everything about those three stories by the time we're done listening. Look to at all finish. the other truck and references and discussions just in this the three the, the, stories before this. Yes, this particular because there was a lot of trucking in all of this. This particular the audio. Innocence of the Daleks. Yeah. This uh, partic- yeah. There's there's a lot more there too. This particular <laughs> audio had a lot of trucking in it. And the I whole just time when they started talking about the watcher, <laughs> the whole time I was going, ooh. <laughs> but I completely agree. I think that it also puts in a retrospective perspective of that visualization that he goes through and seeing the different companions in Caves of Adrazani, which fortunately we have done. Yes, and puts a lot of that in perspective and had this whole inner monologue that's happening in this in this somewhat maybe. Uh, lucid dream state I think works really well and, yeah. and drives home I think something that a lot of people at the time I thought it was it was probably done um, from a clever gimmick perspective of doing the, the companion circulating I think there might have been a, a, a nostalgic callback to the entire mm-hmm. run of the fifth doctor I think it was done for reasons that weren't necessary to the story it's like the goodbye tour and right yeah exactly and so by doing a story a piece like this it leads it lends a lot more to that within the continuity of the universe Mm -hmm. and i think that worked really well i think so too agree and to have chameleon be the hero in this one and give him a little more uh, something to do because (laughs) i mean that was you know we've always We've always bemoaned the fact, and it was just—it's—it's it's not their fault. It was—it was a—if it was anybody's fault, it was JNT for believing they could pull this chameleon <laughs> character off. But um, for for having such that bookend character of he's there and then he's not, and in the middle he's somewhere wandering around the, the ship, and so to be able to give chameleon maybe a little more—what's um, uh, the word I'm looking for? Um, not not purpose, but. Um, retribution as far as a character's perspective mm-hmm. not that he needed to be have retribution because well, especially after all the stuff with the master right exactly and to have that the fact that it, it, all of this is pre-programmed and he's the the nexus of it yeah uh, one more jab at the doctor and then to give some credence to the fact that the master comes in there in that visualization in case of Andrew's <laughs> on and say no doctor die die yeah. you know it which I've always thought was kind of a bit over the top and campy, but I've always accepted it. This even lends more credence <laughs> to that yeah. as well. So. When did you guys realize this was happening during his regeneration? Because at the very beginning with Nissa, I thought, oh, this is what Nissa's doing during the Five Doctors. 
because mm. there's that five doctors reference. Yeah. When that when she has that dream. Yeah. And then it, it took me a little bit to realize, oh, that's when this is going on. It was quite late, and I, but I didn't I didn't place Nissa in that that this was what I was going. I, I didn't have that moment of oh, this must be Nissa and the five doctors. Because I think she's part of the five companions big the finish that one. they did is yeah. what I think I went with that. Just thinking, oh yeah, because she's she was had that experience with the doctor. That being said, I didn't realize it was in the crux of the regeneration until much later in the in the, in the audio when it's re- revealed that you know the wife was really chameleon that you know all of this is. Like, I, no, I knew I it was. It, up a little earlier. Than I that. knew it had to have been happening within his mind. I had. Yeah. I, I thought maybe he was trapped somewhere. And was needing to be rescued or something, I, but I didn't put it in the perspective. It was happening within that regeneration, yeah, or that poisoning. Until it was revealed, I had no idea. I just he's stuck somewhere, and they've managed to get some sort of mental link that this is after she's left and is off on terminus, and he's, you know, off yeah. somewhere else with Perry. But, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what's happening. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay. And of all the doctors to be in this sort of situation, five I think fits the best in this cottage type lifestyle. Yeah. I also what I like about it is the fact that I uh, not to shortchange Perry, but they had only, with the exception of big big finish, big finish <laughs> well expounding the universe. The, if you look at it from a pure television story, she had only had a couple of adventures with the fifth doctor before this happens so to be able to really pull back a a companion that was there from the beginning and have that connection to the the regeneration as well i thought was was cleverly done yeah i really like that aspect that it was because i think what the story before that with the romance kind of delves into the type of relationship that Nyssa and the Fifth Doctor have. It's on a much different level than it is with Perry, with Tegan, with Turlow, with anybody that he, with Adric, within the TARDIS at that time. I think he and Nyssa were probably the most compatible and probably the closest in, in, a, in, a, in a certain frame or re- reference. To have her be the one to help him through that, I thought that was a, a neat touch as well. I agree. It was a very nice sense of balance and symbolism and, and uh, poignancy to it, that she was there at the beginning and that she would be there at the end. I don't want to say it fixes. It does. It fixes a lot of the little things, Chameleon and the why we have this and uh, you know the circles and, and all that. But it also buttresses up and strengthens what's already... A phenomenal episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you're you're not taking anything away, away from, from yes, Cage by adding this element to it. If any, you're you're just enhancing it and making it I that think that's, much better. I think that's why I was trying to stay away from using the word fix because I don't think anything in that episode needed to be fixed. Yeah. Right. What it did is it, it bolstered it and helped. It, yeah. it, it strengthened it. That was an excellent word. Anyway, all right. Yeah, this is just my favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> did we do another one? Yes. <laughs> Five but not in this. Finish. But not in this. That's the yeah. end for circular. Anything for else about circular time? Now, having done an anthology, which we've we've done anthologies we've done already. It's, it's it's nothing new to us. But now, doing this anthology within the main range, especially in the Fifth Doctor, and knowing that this was the quote unquote first anthology, I still would love to go on and do more anthology. Yeah. Have them do more we've anthology stuff. One. We've listened to one other Sixth Doctor anthology, right? No, that's that's yeah. what it was. The. the Hundred Days of the Doctor. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. that one's still technically one hundred. Yeah. One hundred. Yeah. 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 And it was it was one release with four stories. Yeah. 
That's the, that's the only other main one I can think of that we've done. That's the only other main range we've done. And we haven't done any others, and I'm, I'm making it sound like we have, but I have listened to other anthropology <laughs> pieces, so that's why I'm, I'm trying to square my brain around into... This wasn't my first or second indulgence yeah. in anthology-style storytelling in Doctor Who. I go so audio. far as to say this might be my favorite Fifth Doctor audio hmm. so far. Of the ones that we've covered, I really liked this one. Well, that's pretty easy to do when the first, like, 17 were bad. But <laughs> but I still hold score parts, parts as, as higher, yeah, yeah. Uh, much higher regard. I've really enjoyed a lot of the Airmen and Perry stuff, too. Yeah. So. I have, too. Some of that's going to have to wait until I finish the Airmen story arc to know for sure how I feel about most of those. Yeah. That, maybe it's because, maybe it's because they're I, interconnected. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's because I've so been hoping for... Nissa to get figured out. That when we listened to the first couple of Fifth Doctor Nissa stories, and I was so excited by it because I think she's the companion that fits with him the best out of anybody in the Fifth Doctor's run. But then we got some dog stories uh, between Winter for the Adept and Land of the Dead, and blah blah blah. And it's like, man, these kind of suck. These are just yeah. not. They're not well told adventures, and so Nissa's stuck in that continual, not there yet. Well, and these, this story, this audio does. Allowed Nissa to do more and different things. Yeah. And it's one of those stories that, unlike the Perry and Aramem stories, you could probably just pop one in and listen to it once you finish the whole thing. But you, this is so much easier to just pop in and listen to without needing anything surrounding it in context. Same thing with kind of like the Charlie and the, uh, the Divergent Universe stuff. You can't really, it's not as easy to just dive in there unless you're remembering everything that surrounded it really well. Exactly. Exactly. It's a good standalone thing to. Because it's, it's one of those things, when you look back on the Divergent Universe stuff, there were some stories in that that we gave raving reviews. But whenever you say Divergent Universe, I think, oh, God, you have that time. You know, because there were so many <laughs> yeah. in there. And I think Nissa's section of Big Finish so far has been that same way for me. It's yeah. like, oh, gosh, it's a Nissa story. Is this going to oh, be and they went so f- They focused so much on the Perry and Airmen. We haven't gotten a lot of Nissa since right. the initial batch. Right. Well, that's, and, that's, and that's because we're doing it in a narrative the way we're doing it, too, because true. we would have gotten a lot more Nissa before we got the Perry and Aram and stuff, I think, had we been doing it kind of not no. early. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, this is number 90, 91. 91. Yeah. So that kind of tells you, because we're, for the most part, doing these chronologically. Well, the Perry and you're right. So they have stepped away from the Nissa yeah. stuff. First. Let me rephrase. We're not doing them chronologically. We're kind of doing them numerically. We're doing them yeah, in release order. You know, in release yeah. order, to, right. to the best of our ability. At least per doctor. Right. Yeah. But it's also been, for, for the silly reasons that we're holding on to Turok, and not that I've been holding on to the Nissa stories, but because we've had so much Perry and <laughs> Aramem. Because she, she has so much, for lack of a better word, truck and baggage. Well, she definitely does. I cringe a little bit every time I put one on the schedule, just because we haven't got to it yet. But because there's been so much Perry and Aramem, I, that's the whole reason I put this one on the schedule was like, I'm in the mood for some Nyssa. So we watch Time Flight for Friday Night Who, and we get these for this, and I've got a whole weekend of Nyssa, and it was kind of kind of joyous. And then Trocken showed up. <laughs> <laughs> a random landing in London and the trip to the Savoy Hotel yield unexpected results for the Fifth Doctor, <laughs> T. Scones, and an American general who knows far too much from the threat of a Dalek invasion of Earth. Meanwhile, the Doctor's companion, Nyssa, is in Rhodes during the time of the Crusades, where her position proves to be distinctly precarious. It seems the Doctor's deadliest foes have woven a tangled web indeed. In order to defeat them, he must cross the forbidden barriers of time and walk into the very center of their latest, most outlandish scheme of conquest. 
I'm a bit on the fence with this one. <laughs> uh, there are parts of it that I liked, and there are parts of it that I didn't like. I kind of liked that it wound up being a big, crowded TARDIS. I just didn't like some of the characters that were in the TARDIS. It, it felt almost comic book-esque to me. That's the problem. It's not that I didn't like the characters. I didn't like the caricatures. Yeah. That's, I think, where the... the Marlboro's was fine. About a quarter into this, maybe a third into this, I was going, yeah, give me more crowded TARDIS in this sense. Because we've got Marbury, who's from the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. We've got the Confederate soldier, who's also a recently freed slave, Floyd. We've got the Vietnam War pilot, which is very unusual and rare for Vietnam, although I believe they, they did. They, they only flew. They didn't see mm-hmm. combat, but they, they, there were women well, they made pilots. A point to there were female pilot, pilots in yeah the Vietnam War because I didn't believe it until I went and looked. <laughs> and uh, these characters were great. It was, And then the, the young uh, prodigy from a contemporary future. Wilton. Of, of Earth, Wilton. Yeah. And so... And Nyssa, who's and Nyssa. not from yeah. this planet at all. Well, and the fact that... So I'm enjoying this, this cocktail of characters. And the fact that, for the most part, Mulberry, Floyd, and Alice are Nyssa's companions. Yeah. yeah. Not really the Doctor's is. companions. It really is. Which was a really nice dynamic, and putting her almost at level footing with the Doctor. Agreed. Most of the I love Marble. And uh, uh, Floyd comes on board, and I love the idea of the character. I love the, you don't have history as a hindsight into your worldview. You have the perspective that you've come from. You're a freed slave, somewhat, but you're (laughs) fighting for the Confederacy because that's among the conditions of your freedom, is the fact that you're fighting, fighting for the South. And you have been led to believe a certain worldview. Yeah. Even down to when they're watching the total beatdown of union soldiers in that trap in the, in the in the crater and he just starts doing the you know the the war cry the whooping rebel cry and i, I that was a great characterization don't get me wrong I don't, you don't like that because from where we know of the perspective <laughs> yeah. of history you don't like it but it's a great characterization it's, it's a great way to dissolve to, to, to delve into it and then even more so to put a character who isn't very bright and be into a develop into a character that really kind of solves a lot of the little mysteries in there when he realizes that three blind mice is a riddle yeah that they're trying to communicate to give him those nuggets that was great Mm -hmm. then when alice comes along now obviously she came along before that but when alice comes along i think another great representation of a character but then this is where i run into a problem because while floyd was a bit of a caricature of that type of character of that soldier Alice becomes Ethel Merman on steroids. I could not stand her. I didn't like Alice. It was very, very, very much over the top. Now, this is coming to from a perspective of, I presume that this woman was probably a British actress. I didn't look into it. She was doing her best in how she understood the, that characterization, and she was... In, Injecting into that character what yeah. she thought was that character needed. I thought it was too much. I thought it needed to I come agree. down a, I, quite yeah. a few levels. Yes. And that character could have been better. The problem that I have with it is now, not only have we established that females were pilots in Vietnam, which is admirable to me, that they were at least at that level being able to have that sort of involvement. But what we're doing is we're turning this into... Her, we're making her more tomboy and more in order to make a strong female yeah. character. You turned her into a caricature. We turned her into a, a character, character. Caricature, yeah, exactly. And yeah. so I, I had very issues, and it was taking me out of the story quite frequently. Every time she said anything. Yeah, I, I had the same issues with her. Uh, I 
started listening. I'm still listening to some of the behind the scenes stuff, and I just got to as I pulled up where they were going to interview her, and it sounded like she was British. I know the guy who Wilton played... is the only one that was an American actor, right? right? I think so. I'm not sure about Tellington because I did not listen to Tellington that interview. Was, Tellington was another one that I thought was a bit caricature. He was in it so little. That yeah, it, the, that, that one was okay. It didn't take me so far out of the story. I was yeah. bothered by him, but yeah. I thought I was going to be more bothered by him than I was until I realized he reminded me of the general on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Cal Talbot. Really? Yeah, that's what he reminded me of. That kind of uh, maybe that type of character. That type the of characterization of him. I oh, just that, that type of cowboy diplomacy. Type, type of character. Yeah, yeah type of character. I can see. Once I got that image, then I was kind of like, okay. But it, <laughs> un- unfortunately, it comes across as it's very stereotypical. I would assume how Brits view American generals, probably, as opposed to what they're really like most of the time. Sometimes it can be like this character. Not always. Well, and not to their fault, because I think there is a lot of media, especially in the past, in war yes. films of, of the yeah. old days, that they, they've gotten their characterizations from. And so I understand why they see it oh, that yeah. way. For the same reason we see Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins as the normal Cockney, and they all look at him like, oh my God, this is nothing like <laughs> This us. is the worst this accent nothing. ever. And, and yeah. uh, over the years, you eventually realize, yeah, he wasn't doing a great accent. But, but will you accept that from our perspective, too? So I yeah. can see why yeah. they did this. It, it just, it's, it's just was very hard. It's just another one of those instances in Doctor Who where they don't get the American accent right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's more often than not. And unfortunately... We as Americans, I'm sure, quite frequently oh, yeah. get the sure we do. British wrong as well. well so. I never try. <laughs> the accents are wrong. Um, Aside from the characterizations, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the story. I, I I didn't know where it was going. I liked the idea of the Doctor shows up and it should be the Dalek invasion of Earth and it hasn't happened and there's something's gone wrong. I like that. And he is forced with the idea of, well... Do I fix it or do I not? I, it, I need to fix it because it's my history, but is it better off because of it? Or is the upcoming invasion going to be worse than what happened? That's such a cool idea to it's me. It's a cool it's idea. Really yeah. neat. And then the fact that this is off on our own, doing our own thing through most of it, and they finally meet up, and then go to the the, the plot of the Daleks seemed a bit questionable. I, the idea of these tiny toy, do- toy Daleks... <laughs> Doctor Who, especially since Moffat came along, it's always been, uh, where are you going to make me afraid of now? Well, Big Finish just made you afraid of your toy Dalek. That's on your shelf. <laughs> because who knows, maybe it's a real Dalek. I, I, that, that idea, I, I really enjoyed. I thought it was really neat, the fact that they went there with it, almost tongue too firmly planted in cheek. Maybe for Glenn's taste, but not for mine, because, you know, I don't hold Daleks as cherished as you do. (laughs) (laughs) When when they first established that these are toy Daleks, but not, because they've got ray guns and they're shooting at them as they run down the hallway, I couldn't decide if I was supposed to be laughing at it or not. (laughs) It was so farcical of an idea that one part of my brain was kind of going, okay, we're doing that story. All right, yeah, I can be on board for that. But then it wasn't that story. Nope. That's my issue with it is is when they go they they start to go this direction and I thought, "Oh, toy Daleks. Daleks. Okay, are they really toys?" And so I'm going through my mind, are they miniature Daleks? Are they really toys? Are they So I'm going, okay, this seems a bit weird and cheesy, but I'll go with it, so I'll ride with it. 
So then at certain point, I do have the <laughs> feeling of, okay, this is a little too tongue planted firmly in cheek, as you so eloquently said. But then as that continues to go, it suddenly it starts to work for me. And I think, okay, yeah, they, they yeah. do see these are little tiny Daleks, the size of the ones we have on our shelves. And, once, once they and they, do seem, power. they yeah. do seem threatening. And so I really kind of like that. Unfortunately. It was like small soldiers. Yeah, was, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like that. And movie, I was like, which I didn't like, but I was. Yeah, I'm in the same. I want to like but that it was movie, a clever, and I don't. It's a clever concept. And so we go down that road. But then we almost seem to have this. I'm finally grasping the genius of this idea, only to kind of shove it aside when we finally get to this point where the Daleks are, the renaissance of the Daleks, and we get to this city that's basically made up of Dalek shell casings. And we meet Graylish, and we've changed kind of the concept to start. Now that the nano, I, I think I, I part of their plot I think is really clever, and part of it is like uh, I don't know. Yes, if it quite works. that's that's where I'm at, and I'm, I'm so on the fence. On I appreciate that they came up with this clever idea of the slow invasion by releasing these basically nano Daleks. Well, and it's it's such into a out of character. Plot for the Daleks too. because the Daleks are so for, forceful and abrasive and straightforward and get things done now that a slow invasion is very out of their character. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated the, the new approach to right, it. Right, on the same way. But the resolution—not well, even necessarily the resolution, just the—I like the resolution of how the Doctor fixes them. The fact that I'm just not going to take off. Yes, that's good. <laughs> Fantastic. That's well done. Then the use of the hands. To, so he doesn't actually land. I like a lot. And then Mulberry's sacrifice to get rid of the crates. Which is great. Yeah. It's just and the, then the Graylish. I like what the Doctor does by making him think about why he, his purpose and where he's come from. But this, that idea feels used now. And I want you to be able to explain to me why I think that feels used. I think it used. feels used because it, it's the new series stuff. It's evolution. It's 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 a little uh, bit of evolution. Uh, victory. It's, it's not so much victory. Or uh, not uh, victory. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, asylum. asylum. Yes. 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 Okay. Asylum. That is why. Then that makes uh, sense. Where was the other one? We saw them later with the eye stocks coming out of their heads. Uh, uh, magician's apprentice. Yes. Yeah. Magician's apprentice. That's yeah. Stuff. Is that why it feels so I used think that's to? That's why me? it feels okay. used. Is because this, from our perspective, this is not the first time they've tried to make it a bipedal new version of Dalek that kind of is in disguise but not really right. sort of thing. I think that's why. Okay. I didn't I, that was, must be I wasn't it. surprised. Granted it was Nick I could hear Nick Briggs's voice so I knew he was some form of Dalek. Oh I hadn't I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I okay, well that's kind of cool. It, because the third volume of War Doctor there's a Dalek that has a much deeper register and you hear more oh, Nick's oh, okay. normal voice with the effect. So you were hearing and it he in had the same effect, okay. the same sound of Graylish. So, so that surprise the, wasn't there for me. Not to mention you have this very bold, mysterious character at the nexus of time where yes. all time conver- <coughs> converges. Which is a cool idea. It's a wonderful idea. But it's it, a wonderful it, concept. It then also flies in the face of axis of insanity. It does. Bit. It does. Which is also a fifth Doctor story, which yeah. is ironic. <laughs> but we have this. And so we've given me this nice little bubble of, ooh, what is this? What is this new being? What is this new character? Oh, it's a Dalek. <laughs> yeah. Who, like, who is, is, shouldn't there normally be someone there guarding that time space? You would think so. Uh, uh, there's just a lot. It doesn't. It doesn't fly in the face 
squarely because, because it's, the, it's, the Nexus that, is the the discarded timeline. Yeah, that's the axis. But you're right. You kind of have he references to, that and, sort of thing too. Exactly, and that's why I think we've got the Graylish, which is going to be this very interesting character of okay. Now we have a different element in the crossroads or the 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 well, yeah, the crossroads of time. They're not even crossroads because it's kind of the one point where yeah. all time meets, only to have it be a Dalek. <laughs> it's just I, that was. Well, that and was some, a letdown. Some of it was frustrating in the fact that it took so long to get to that point. Yes. Yeah, these characters were in, were kind of interesting and nice to have, but so much time in the Zero Room and all this other stuff where the Dalek and there's Daleks in the title, and it takes almost till episode four till we get to true Daleks. I mean, it's come on, get us there, get there. It, it, there's so much setup that by the time you get to the resolution or the plot, it's disappointing because. I almost felt like it, I rarely say this, but it almost felt like it needed more story to flesh out what the Daleks were really doing. <laughs> I think it needed more Dalek. Well, <laughs> or something. Same amount of story, of more course, Dalek. <laughs> I just, it felt like there should have been much more going on than there was. Because you spend three stories Wondering leading up, what, to, leading, where, what this leading up to the only fa- effect is that Graylish brought him there. Yeah. And then... The nugget is dropped that, no, it was the Daleks that brought yeah. him there. So it's like, it's almost a waste of yeah, three stories. it really is. It's, it, to some extent, it feels like padding. Yeah, to some extent, like it feels like... There's not enough they, there. They didn't think, yeah, it's, it's the same. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating because there's a lot to like in it. It's just these other aspects bring it, drag it down. Part of me finds it really fascinating and wants to explore more of why the fifth Doctor keeps winding up during the Dalek invasion. Because this there is was the second one, time. There was the one time in uh, Kansas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He lands in the wheat field and the Daleks have invaded. Oh, was that yeah. mutant phase? Yeah, I think that's right. Mm-hmm. And it also makes me wonder why we haven't done more stories just based in and around the Dalek invasion. I, I, I guess the Doctor would... I think the trouble that you have with that is if you don't you take... You can't let the Doctor win too much then? Th- well, yes, because the Doctor already knows... The results. The doctor knows that when he was first there, it was at the end, and he knows that he's the one that's thwarted it. That's why I think it is clever, as you even brought up at the beginning of this discussion, that he's now has this perplexed notion of why hasn't this invasion already started, and <laughs> what could be coming that's worse. And so I like that they did. They took that step and said, yeah. "Let's let's not go into the middle. Let's let's not, let's not cross the doctor's timeline. Let's give us sort it's, of this alternate, alternate timeline." timeline. Yeah. Especially since, uh, just looking, the mutant phase is set the same year. Yeah. 20, uh, 2558, or 2158. Maybe 2158 is his 1955. Maybe. <laughs> it could just be a colossal coincidence, or it could be a uh, the, the, the nexus point of the entire time-space continuum. <laughs> I keep struggling to bring it back to the good things that I saw in it, because like I say, I, I was all on board for more characters of different type. That's what mm-hmm. I really liked about this. Unfortunately, they become caricatures of different type. So that's where it fell down there. Mostly um, with Alice for me. Yeah, oh, most definitely with Alice. Because I was, I was actually accepting a little, you know, it, it, it was starting to bother me with each introduction. But then, yeah, I said, because even Wendell to a point was almost a caricature. But yeah. when you learn his purpose, oh, that's the other thing that I wanted to bring up. It's never made clear, although you can presume why. 
Wendell brings on the Daleks in the first place. Why does he bring them on, and why does he have no memory? And I had hoped that they were going to yeah, tell us really, what that's what the reasoning behind that was. Assume. And I think, unfortunately, that falls down for me because while I can assume it's based on the evidence that we get of the fact that the Daleks are the one that brought in there, Greylish was instrumental in, in you know, uh, sending out the signal through time of the different uh, uh, I can't even remember the phrase this had to do with freedom and liberty and blah blah yeah, blah yeah. that he had put that out there which I felt was a little bit out there anyway and they didn't do a nice <laughs> a job bit, of yeah that didn't tie it in tying well. that in but but that made sense but the the reason why I mean they never even said it was because he heard the voices you know it was it, they never yeah. said that and I yeah. felt that was, it was it was almost like because just because for whatever reason the Daleks and permeated society that's the only reason why he brought it along right on, on such a minor level, so he yeah. must have had. So you had to you had to kind of ex, ex, extrapolate the fact that it's Graylish putting that out there and to spur the event on. But I'm glad you brought up the the uh, the the hads in the t- uh, the the had program on the Tardis protecting them oh, as he had <laughs> as he had the, the the general bombard the Tardis as they landed. Um, a great way to get them out of the time tunnel because the time tunnel is, is a two-way trip. I mean, for oh, them, yeah. the, the Dalek time tunnel, they couldn't get out of it. It was made clear. And the one device on the Doctor's TARDIS that he couldn't get unstuck in order to return <laughs> to a different position or, because he had, to, he, had to, he had to turn it off in order to re-land in the place that they were. But yeah. then he couldn't get it turned back on, I think is what it was. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so... That coupled with the fact that they were running through the Daleks' time tunnel, they couldn't go anywhere else. So I love the fact that landing the TARDIS and kicking in the defense system <laughs> to make them be able to then go dematerialize it. Yeah. Of course, then they're headed back yeah. because he that's had no control over it. But that's that didn't matter because yeah. once he was going back, it was fine. Sucking the crates with the nano Daleks out of the thing was great. I love the heroic moments. Uh, I, I know I'm rehashing <laughs> things you said, but I want to make sure that people... Here that we we there were elements of this that we did like we did yeah. enjoy. This is confrontation with Mulberry. 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 With Mulberry, on what presumed was a castle wall, because she yeah a parapet that's right because she stood up on it and he was like no don't jump miss you know and said, yeah, I mean there was yeah. kind of a clever exchange and then them falling and then landing in a different time it was even daylight. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think I could fall through that. That's way too small. <laughs> He was such a great character. He was a character because it because of his limited knowledge, he seemed to kind of grow and accept the things that Oh yeah. And he was able to kind of process the things that were happening to him too in a unique way from that perspective of being from the Middle Ages. I thought that worked out really well. Yeah, I, I agree. He was it really a stand up. Really, really, really illustrates why we need varied companions on Doctor Who mm-hmm. presently. Yeah. And not just from current day Earth. That you know what you just that's exactly right that is that is exactly right this is if anything illustrates that point specifically mm-hmm. they're just more fun <laughs> it's true all right sean what do we got coming up with the schedule next week on the schedule our friday night who offering is william hartnell in the ark which is our every friday night uh, doctor who watch along We've already reviewed the arc, so our show next week is going to take a little different uh, approach. There are polls, and they are up and running, and no, you can vote in them. Already. And they're on Facebook and our website. And You're welcome. Oh, wait, that was Keith. <laughs> it was all Keith, so congratulations, Keith, for doing that. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. 
Congratulations. That's not what I said, but yeah, we're going to go with that. No, no, great. Congratulations, because it was late. Congratulations. Oh, okay, that works. Uh, it didn't work. No, no keep it didn't going. work. We're making up words again. <laughs> um, hey, that's your job. So we want you to vote on the worst monsters to grace Doctor Who. The, the ones that just don't work, that are broken, that are despised, that you just cannot fathom why this monster is a thing. And then we're going to defend it if we can. Have I set the bar too high for you, Glenn? No, 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 no. I, I <laughs> You're just, over here shaking your head going, I'm not looking forward I, to I, next week's I, show. I think you're um, padding the... Um, Response. I think you're patting the emotion Probably for, a for the listeners. So, but that's okay, because we have to go to the extreme opposite side and find the good. So. That's right. Uh, so that'll be the show next week, and then uh, the following week we've got uh, Pertwee with Invasion of the Dinosaurs for Friday Night Who at the end of March. And then we're concluding the 12th Doctor Titan Comics Series 2 line and the Big Finish Mainline Story Night Thoughts, number 79, Followed by the rest of Pertwee and the Invasion of the Dinosaurs for Friday Night Who on the 7th of April. And the Titan Comics 3rd Doctor miniseries. And then the Big Finish Mainline Story number 108, Assassin in the Limelight, will bring our show number 325. Which brings us right up to new show, new series, series 10. So soon. The Pilot. Which I saw an article that they tried to tie it in and make it seem, because there's been that comment that we want to make it like a brand new show. And they oh, went all the way with it, so saying, oh, meta. so they changed the name to the pilot. And I'm like, no, I think it's probably going to have a pilot yeah, in it. Yeah. <laughs> like a, like a, well, it sounds like they're probably it's twofold. They're being meta about it, but they're also... I don't think like, so. Like they have been previous times before. Well, yeah. Doctor's Wife. That true. Sort of thing. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I think there's just a pilot in it. But <laughs> there's that. We'll find we'll, out. We'll, we'll find out. We have less than a month. Less than a month. Until Easter Saturday. All right, well, uh, if you can throw some support our way, we do have a Patreon link on our page. You click on that button, and uh, it takes you to our Patreon site where you can uh, help us out if you can and uh, donate to this show. All the proceeds go back into the show, and for those of you that are already helping us out, we are immensely grateful. Um, there are also some other links on the page there at travelingvortex.com. We'd like to check out as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else we had to discuss before we close this one out, fellas? Nope. All right. I don't think so. That's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. And thanks, thanks for, listening. for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.